I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. On this episode, we have a guest co-host. You know her. It's Evelyn. She has basically a pro at this point. I think she's co-hosted like 10 episodes, but of course, you can check out all Evelyn's content at the.mirror.grid on Instagram and TikTok and her website, themirrorgrid.com. She is an intuitive, medium psychic teacher. And um, I know that a lot of our fans have reached out to her, which is so cool. Evelyn, thank you for coming on the podcast tonight. Always a pleasure. Super stoked to be here. Yeah, we've got a really exciting episode tonight. So Brandon Alvis, um, who has been on, gosh, uh, Ghost Hunters, Travel Channel, Science Channel, Discovery. He's got a new book coming out. I mean, Brandon has really done it all as a paranormal investigator. So, uh, you know, we're super excited to get him on and our fans really wanted to get Brandon on. So I was excited that he could come on. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, it's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Brandon, before we jump into all the cool stuff you've done on TV, why don't you tell us about your book and uh, when that's dropping? Or yeah, so the book's called Elements of a Haunting. Uh, I co-authored the book with Mustafa Gadalari, who was a cast member of Annie's Ghost Hunters as well. And we are releasing that book on January 8th, 2022. And that's going to be published by Llewellyn Worldwide, one of the oldest publishers in the country. Yeah, and you know, when we we're on the road with Ghost Hunters, we you know, talked a lot about things outside of the investigation and outside of the protocol from the show. And it's really um, 17 years worth of research kind of into one book. And one thing that we do is implement scientific principle into the investigation. And another thing that we've done with the book is implement a classification system for ghosts and hauntings, which is something that really hasn't been done before. You know, a lot of people look at it as residual or intelligent. And that's really as far as it goes. So we wanted to really go in depth uh, from a more scientific perspective. And we were very lucky to work with Dr. Harry Clore, the only person in history to receive two PhDs simultaneously. And when I asked him about ghosts and hauntings and about approaching that from a scientific point of view, he mentioned that there needs to be more uh, of a classification system, a depth to it that really isn't there in the field right now. So that's something we put into the book and implemented and uh, we're really excited about it. Yeah, that's so cool. You know, you have approached kind of verifying ghosts in a different way than we have. Obviously, we're an audio medium. So we've had a ton of people come on and tell their stories. And kind of the thing that always gets us is when somebody's telling a story and they're like, oh, yeah, well, my mom was there and she saw the ghost too. And then we'll call their mom on the podcast. And, you know, this this person's mom had no idea we we're going to call them or, you know, whatever. And then she tells us verbatim the same thing happened. So, I mean, kind of, I guess, our scientific approach is just having things um, validated that people have told us. And it is such an interesting field, the paranormal, because it's something that 
not everybody has experienced, but enough of us have experienced it in some way that it's really hard for us to completely deny it. And I, I had an experience, I've talked about it before on the podcast, but when I was a kid, essentially playing tag with my friends with all the lights off. And I thought one of my friends was running across the room, went to swipe them because they weren't supposed to move. And my hand went right through them. And then it looked kind of what I would describe like a Jawa and the head just like turned like that. And it was like slightly reflective eyes. We all screamed, ran out of the room until this day. I mean, I can ask my friend about it and he's like, yeah, I remember it. And I still consider myself a little bit of a skeptic. I am more of a believer now just from hearing so many stories, but it's hard for me to accept that that happened. And I was there. I have the, my mind's eye. I can see that memory. I mean, you've really been out in the field. You've seen and done a lot of things. One thing we always ask our guests is we kind of call it the believometer. Um, zero, meaning you don't believe in ghosts. Ten, you believe ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you kind of fall on that scale after all the experiences that you've had? You know, that's a tough question because, you know, I call myself a natural skeptic. Uh, you know, I got involved in the paranormal because I lost a brother to cancer and a brother to suicide. So that kind of got me into, you know, thinking about the possibility of life after death. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in the theory that energy is neither created nor destroyed. Um, our body is made up of energy. We're firing off neurons right now. So the question I always have is, where does that energy go when we die and does it retain consciousness? So that's really the big question for me. Uh, but I'm always hovering around that, you know, five mark because uh, there's times I struggle with my belief. There's times where I don't believe at all. And there's times where I believe. So it's always tough. And uh, it's always about the research and collecting data and empirical evidence. But, you know, it, it's tough. You know, 17 years I've been doing this and it, it fluctuates throughout that time period. Uh, so it, it's definitely a tough question for sure. Yeah. And, you know, Evelyn, she gets readings and and I've talked to her and, and other mediums before. And I mean, Evelyn, what, when you hear people go off into so much of uh, the scientific um, how they want to take a scientific approach into ghosts and the paranormal, which I know you've heard JJ talk about that too. That's kind of where he likes to delve into the paranormal. How does that make you feel as somebody who works so much with energy and, and training people to kind of interpret feelings and emotions that may or may not be paranormal? Yeah. Um, I am a firm believer that the, science and technology will be able to confirm and measure all of these things at some point, but it, I just feel like we don't have the resources. Also the way that things get funded in science, this is like a weird um, area. It, it's not super profitable. It, it, there's not a lot of like reason to fund these sciences. This would be a lot of like people needing to do independent research basically um, that are professionals within their field um, that have an interest and that are drawn towards this. And so that I think is part of why some of those um, limits have been reached. Um, for not necessarily even what I say paranormal, but some of the things that I work with that can be measured are like, we talk about frequency, we talk about um, how like there's certain ways that we understand, um, you know, things like the wavelengths of color and the frequency of sound and all of these things that are a little bit more applicable to the 3D world that I think do likely have um, a way of, of interacting with the spirit realm um, or the paranormal or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I, I really hope that at some point this is something that we can say, hey, look, here's tangible proof of this and maybe even get more people either developing their natural abilities, like which, which is what I teach um, or enhancing um, tools that they may already have access to and not really know. Um, but if we could get to a point where we were actually able to um, have technology on our side with this um, in a way that was like scientifically backed. I mean, I just think that would be amazing. I think that would open up all kinds of other information. I think that that would really advance us as a species and probably in a better way than some technologies have advanced us as a species. <laughs> yeah, I would just be happy that I could finally take an easier breath knowing that when we die that we're just not just dead <laughs> so that's that's kind of why I wanted to get into this podcast which is kind of what um, Brandon was similar to what you were saying too well Brandon in all your explorations and all the cool stuff you've done I know our audience would love to hear about some of the memorable stories and experiences you've had if there's some you'd be willing to share specific question yeah 
I would love like the story, like, cause you say that you're a natural skeptic. Do you have like one story that was like your turning point maybe, mm-hmm. or like the first time that you're really like, oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it, it goes along with what you're talking about with technology, you know, and, and implementing science and being in a spot where it's tough to implement that science and scientific principle into this field or into the paranormal. Uh, but it would probably have to be Fort Stanton, New Mexico. Uh, actually was there with Annie's Ghost Hunters, funny enough. Uh, but I was able to get a very sensitive scientific piece of equipment called an EMCCD camera. And this camera is typically used by the digital imaging scientific community to record single photon events. And the reason I got that camera and utilized it in the field was because I went to one of my consultants and I asked him if ghosts are real, if it does exist, uh, how would they manifest? What would be the mechanics behind it, the matter behind that? And the theory of photon events was thrown at me. So photon events are light events that typically cannot be seen by the human eye. And so I took this camera and I set it into Fort Stanton, uh, actually the first federal tuberculosis hospital in the country, and had some of the most credible eyewitnesses that we've ever dealt with. Uh, These are state park rangers, people that are regulated, drug tested, that uh, take their job very seriously. Uh, They don't promote the ghost stories, things like that. And they were absolutely terrified to be in that building because they would see this woman walking throughout the property. So I took this camera, I set it up down a hallway, and lo and behold, we captured photon events in this hallway, which technically shouldn't be happening. Uh, but what's even more interesting is all these separate photon events came together to create one image of what looked like a woman wow. peeking out of the door frame. And that was something, again, once I collected this data, I sent it back to our scientific consultant who, provi- who actually provided the camera, and they had no explanation for it. So can I say it's a ghost? No, I can't. Uh, but what I can say is that There were photon events being generated in this place that has all these stories. Uh, They were separate events that came together to form one image, and they had no explanation for it uh, in the sense of, you know, there's there's an intelligence to it almost, like these different events coming together to create an image of what, you know, looks like a human profile, which was uh, very interesting. And once we actually showed that to our clients at Fort Stanton, uh, that's exactly what they've been seeing. That's what they claim they've been seeing for over a decade. So that was a moment that really made me scratch my head and think twice about it. Uh, and then once that you know image started to circulate and that footage got out, uh, a good friend of ours actually found a photo from what a nurse would wear in the 1920s. And it matches perfectly with the image oh, wow. that we collected, which is interesting. Uh, so that would probably be the moment I would say, you know, Fort Stanton is an amazing location, so much history and uh, a lot of activity that we can't explain. Mm. Yeah, that's that's fascinating that you're able to get equipment like that that other people probably don't have access to in their ghost hunts or you know whatever they're trying to do to find out if ghosts are real. We've had this sound anomaly on our podcast, and I'm curious to get your opinion on this as somebody who does use technology to try to see if ghosts are real. So we had a psychic on or a medium on, gosh, it's probably been eight or nine months at this point, but her name's Amy. She's um, Amy's probably like 19 or 20 at this point, but she's somebody who claims to see ghosts all the time. Um, It's not just an occurrence for her. It's she told us that like, sometimes she opens the door for people that she thinks are real and other people are like, what are you doing? And she's like, Oh, sorry. Um, But she had some really fascinating stories. And at the end, Kat's real good about asking people who are mediums, you know, Hey, have you, seen anything or felt anything during this episode Um, because sometimes we get some interesting stuff out of that and she says well there's been an old lady in a bathrobe smoking a cigarette standing between you and JJ this entire episode and we were just kind of like well it's kind of crazy you know but great content for the podcast we're like that's cool you know whatever we move on and then we start to get fans writing in saying when she said that you can hear a whispery lady's voice into the podcast and we we're like okay, I edit it. I go back. I didn't hear it in the original editing, but sure enough, there was something that sounded like a woman's whispery voice. I like took my headphones off. It kind of freaked me out the first time I listened to it. So we kind of think, well, maybe it's just a zoom anomaly, you know, who knows there's, you know, microphones and zoom. And then we talk about it again on the podcast. And again, people start writing in as soon as you guys start talking about it, the woman's voice came back. And we're like, okay, that's pretty weird. Sure enough, it was there. But the third time was 
the one where we have no explanation for Kat and JJ. We had a fan on telling us her story and Kat and JJ just stopped podcasting and look and stare at each other to the point where I had to, I was like, what, what's going on with you two? And they're like, we heard the voice out loud in our room. Now I didn't hear anything. The guests didn't hear anything, but they were freaked out, visibly shaken. Kat's a big scaredy cat anyway. I mean, she would tell you that she has struggles with watching horror movies and stuff. But JJ is like very like rigid in his skepticism. I mean, he went to like some druid cave and they were like, don't touch the water because, you know, legend has it. Whoever touches it gets haunted for the rest of their life. And then his brother started splashing each other with the water. You know, it's that that kind of individual. But he was shaken. I mean, like he had had almost no words and, and he was scared, which was interesting to see. And then sure enough, on the recording. There it is, clearer than it's ever been, that woman's voice. And now we get it written in so much that, I mean, I hate to, I've said it before, I think I said it on the last episode with Jojo Wright. I don't even really go back and check it anymore. Um, Kat will, she's better about pulling that and putting it on our Instagram and whatnot. But as somebody who has done these, uh, who has done research and an abundance of research, have you ever run into something like that where it just keeps happening. And like, I mean, we can't explain it. I mean, and I'm sure some fans probably think we're adding it in, but while it would, it is great fodder for the podcast. I mean, we try to keep everything as, you know, above board as we can. And it's freaky. I mean, it's just weird. I, I don't know. You know, it reminds me of a phenomenon that, you know, has been documented since the sixties phone calls from the dead. You know, it's uh people would get these mysterious phone calls. I think there was even a Twilight Zone episode about it. But anyways, uh, people would get phone calls from deceased loved ones or people that they knew that had died, you know, hours earlier. So, I mean, I have heard of, you know, that type of phenomena where, you know, entities, spirits, whatever you'd like to call them, do communicate through, you know, devices like this. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what you guys are dealing with. Uh, and I would actually love to hear it sometime. Really. Yeah, cool. sure. I can, um, I can email you over the... Um... Cause I think I, I think I have a, a super clip of it in our Dropbox, so I can send that over to you. Oh my and gosh, Evelyn, me too. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, I just realized, I don't think, Evelyn, I don't think we've ever really talked about that before. So, I mean, Evelyn, from things on your side, this is kind of a fascinating podcast for me as a host, because I've got somebody who is very science-based in their research. And I've got Evelyn who is, is, I mean, a medium, you know, somebody who takes in this energy and it's, it's kind of a neat parallel to to balance in this conversation, but Evan, what is, when you hear something like that, what does that mean to you? I mean, do you go, Oh, that's, that's a ghost talking through or, or are we all crazy or what, what do you think about that? So my theory with that is um, like, once we cross over uh, it, it's hard to like, if you're not in physical density, you're not physical matter. It's hard to manipulate physical matter. Um, so it's like, you know, trying to shine a light through something solid, like it doesn't go. Um, and so if we think of these, uh, whether they're spirits or guides or dead people or whatever, um, as being like non-physical uh, sentience, or, you know, sometimes they're not sentience, but that's a whole different issue. Um, <laughs> but if we're talking about something that has some sort of like cognition, but not physicality, um, they will seek to impact if they want to, if they will seek to impact things that they can impact that are non-physical. So things like audio waves, light, um, those kinds of, of um, things or electricity, things that are, are already like a non-physical um, system of energy uh, are the things that they have better access to. Um, so that's usually like the approach that they'll take. So it's, it's pretty uncommon, like, and I'm sure that you've found this just through how many stories you've heard. Um, when you start interacting with energies that like can move things, usually you're dealing with stronger energies um, or energies that have been harvesting some capability from somewhere. That's where like, usually I'm like, ooh, those things kind of start feeling malicious. I haven't seen a lot of people's like lovely dead grandma that's coming back to check on them, like slamming doors and, you know, like, like really like manipulating the world around them. Um, so it, it seems to me like it takes a certain kind of um, intensity to harvest the amount of energy necessary to move physical matter. So my theory is that if something is 
interacting with um, non-physical energy to impact like our 3D world in some way. They're usually just trying to communicate. They're usually just trying to like be seen um, either to get a message through to someone they care about just because like sometimes there's like a lot of loneliness too, especially um, in my perspective, there's uh, sort of like different aspects of the departed realm. And so there's definitely like a, a kind of a phase between like death and like integrating that you're dead. Um, there's a lot of like sort of loneliness and processing that can kind of happen there. And so a lot of times those kinds of souls kind of reach out. Um, sometimes they need help crossing over. So my, my theory, and you know, I'd have to sort of like check in with that specific um, energy and you know, they're probably gonna watch. They'll totally do it if I give them a chance, but um, I'll see if they interrupt. Um, so when I found the file, if you guys want to hear it too, I can oh, play I it. Totally do. Okay. I totally do. Yeah. I always wondered if the spirit was just pissed off because we're a skeptic podcast and she's just like, yeah, I'm real. I'm right here. Listen. Yeah, every time. I'll, I'll, I'll try to feel it out too, based on like what, you know, what the sounds are basically. Okay. So this is the super clip. It's about 30 seconds long in this clip. You should hear three times. It's going to sound whispery. It's like a kind of thing. So just kind of listen for that. All right. I'm going to start it now. And she was here the whole time and you're just now telling us. Yeah. <laughs> it was still like such a, a yeah. Experience. Like that, that's interesting. I have a friend who's a witch and I was like, listen, so there's this thing in my mantle. I'm not usually this on edge during episodes. And when I am, it's like, it really gets me. I just feel like we hurt. We, we did hear a very creepy whisper. So yeah, so that was, that last one was them hearing, um, you know, hearing it out loud. So, um, yeah, Evelyn. So what do you, what are you, what's your opinion on that now that you've heard it? Okay. Give me a sec. Okay. It's definitely the same energy that comes through every time they're, they're not malicious and they're not even mad that you're, uh, I guess that you're, um, like skeptics. She first, I think her name is Michelle. So I'm just going to put that out there, but she, she's, she's not mad, but she is very much like, I'm hello. Like I'm trying to like show you, I like, we're trying to confirm basically. Um, it, it's more like really wanting to be seen um she's a spirit that i think if she could embody physicality would um just based on her own history and like what she's kind of been through um i don't think there's anything to worry about i think she's definitely going to continue that and there's certain people um that she uh connects with more than others that's why she's not on like every episode um and she specifically is like likes cat um i'm just trying to see if there's like an association with cat and i haven't ever met cat like for the record um, that's right you've never been on an episode with cat yeah no um but she's i'm just trying like so basically when i'm looking at this kind of thing i'm running through like uh just like a series of questions like okay, I can tell that she is, has something going on with Kat. So I ask the kind of questions like, is she attached to Kat? Is she someone that Kat knows? Did Kat bring her? Is she in Kat's space? So I just sort of like run through all these questions really quick um, to get a feeling for, you know, what it is about her, I guess. Um, and, um, okay, this is kind of, <laughs> I don't know that this even makes a lot of sense. Um, it's actually Kat's name that she likes. Um, it has nothing to do with like Kat personally or like no one that, um, it doesn't look to me like anyone that Kat has necessarily known. Um, but I think it's also maybe like, okay, that she's like a feminine energy. And um, so there's like a little bit of more like comfort and resonance there. Um, could you also just for my own curiosity at some point, send me the dates that that happened on? Yeah, um, I can probably figure I that out. See if I can get a little bit more information from that. But that's basically what I'm seeing is that like, she's just wanting, really wanting to be seen. Like, sure. that's how, like I mean, that makes it, it happened uh, as recent as 
two episodes, we're having a similar conversation like this. And a fan wrote in while you y'all brought her up, she came back. And it's just like, so weird. Oh my God, I can't wait. Now I'm going to like intently listen to this episode. And yeah, see. I know. Right. Um, so Brandon, you know, you've, you've done a lot of research and stuff have one, what do you think about that clip? And two, have you had weird like audio phenomenons um, in your research? Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like classic EVP to me. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, it has that breathy tone to it. That's, you know, very typical of electronic voice phenomena. And it sounded like the same voice, you yeah. know, on, on the multiple clips that you played. And uh, in the second one, it almost sounded like I could hear the voice, like what exactly what I was saying. It almost sounded like make it yeah. stop. Oh, interesting. Like to me. Okay. Uh, but I, I have to listen to it again. It was very brief, but uh, it's very clear. It definitely sounds like the same voice, but it uh, sounds like typical EVP for sure. We, um, we had some guests tell us to use some app on the phone and you can maybe talk to the dad or something. I don't even remember what the app was now, but anyway, we were, it was, uh, sometimes we'll wrap up after we talk to a guest after the guest is gone. And so Kat tried it and I noticed that she wasn't paying attention. And so I just went Kat! like that. And she like threw her phone, <laughs> ran out of the room and I could not stop laughing. It gets on our Instagram, um, on our reels. If anybody wants to see it. I felt so bad, but it was the funniest thing. I mean, she legit thought that, I think she thought it was that spirit was like straight up coming for her, which, um, you know, in the history of horror movies, that would probably get me killed. So I'm glad that nothing bad happened to me for playing a joke, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was very much worth it. Well, Brandon, so you've, you've had a lot of cool experiences. Have, have there ever been times where you didn't feel safe in your research? Uh, you know, not from anything paranormal related. Uh, some of the towns we've been in, <laughs> when we were actually in Clifton, Arizona, we had a few different uh, instances where the cops had to get involved because people were following us around the town. Uh, we actually had someone, you know, fire a gun at the vehicle. What? Things like that. So I've never been in a, you know, a situation where... Because they didn't like ghost hunters or... <laughs> I think that it was bringing attention to a town that didn't mm. want the attention, things like that. Uh, but... You know, going back before ghost hunters and whatnot, certain homeowner cases I've worked where there was some family tension and, you know, things going on that, you know, could be a bit dangerous, uh, not only to the people that live in the home, but us as investigators putting, our, putting ourselves into that situation. But I've actually never encountered anything paranormal-wise that's been negative or uh, dangerous by any means. Uh, it's not something I go looking for. Uh, sure. It's kind of not my mindset either. I think if you go looking for that type of thing, you'll probably find it. Uh, but it's not something I've experienced per se. Is it see the Ouija board episode? That's where when you go looking for something, that's where you'll find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've we keep hearing about people, especially children, who used Ouija boards and bad things happen to them. Like they don't close out the right way or whatever, and and they get some some bad haunts. Well, Brandon, I'm curious. So you. How did you get into working in the media side of this? I mean, what was the transition of, I mean, were you doing this on your own and they heard about you and brought you in? Because it seems like once you kind of got started, the ball really started rolling for you doing this on television. Yeah, you know, uh, when I started APRA, the American Paranormal Research Association in 2006, I, uh, I thought the best way to tell these stories about these haunted locations, not only from a historical perspective, but from the eyewitness and testimony side of it, was to document all that like a documentary. Uh, and any findings that we would have that we couldn't explain, uh, would it would be the perfect way to represent the data, the empirical evidence, as well as these amazing stories. So I started to put together a web series called Haunted Discoveries, uh, I think in 2007, where I would work with various historical locations throughout the United States and helping them raise funds for their museums, historical societies, things of that nature. and. Uh, that's kind of how it started. And it kind of led me into television, not just as being on Ghost Hunters, but I worked in uh, the news for a long time. I worked as a promotions producer for ABC, CBS, and Fox News for many years. And uh, it just kind of went hand in hand in a strange way. I think it's uh, always key with investigations. I mean, again, there's always different styles of investigating. Everyone has their own purpose for doing it. But for me, uh, in trying to find that documentation and trying to find evidence of it, it's always to document those scenarios uh, from the beginning to the end, you know, always rolling on cameras, audio devices. So it kind of went hand in hand. And did you feel like you always gotten a fair edit on television? I mean, especially if you've worked in TV, <laughs> you, you know how that goes. But I mean, have, have they always been pretty 
and we don't have to say specifically because I mean you worked with a bunch of different people, but mm. have most of them been pretty honest to the work you've done? You know, they can't edit so you know, they can only edit what you give them. So uh, that's the way I always look at it. So I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I don't stick to my beliefs, my fundamentals, and uh, represent myself in a way I wouldn't like. Uh, you know, being you know on Ghost Hunters and being on Ghost Adventures, uh, The Unexplained Files, shows like that. Um, I didn't get involved in this field to be on TV. That was never my goal. It's always been to have my own you know beliefs challenged in a way, but also to know if there is a possible life after death, you know, sure. after losing my brothers, that's really was always my goal. So, um, but going into a situation like that, when it comes to entertainment and the television side of it, uh, if they can only edit what you give them. So uh, if you don't, you know, give them what they're looking for in certain situations, uh, they can't use it. So that's always been my philosophy. And has there ever been anything that has happened that wasn't on film that you wish was so where people could see that you feel like, wow, this may really push the envelope towards ghosts being real? Absolutely. Um, I would probably use an example of the Glenn house that we investigated in uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Uh, the Glenn family, very tragic story, classic Victorian ghost story, um, tragedy all over the place, um, lots of deaths in the house. But um, there were people on the board of the museum that worked for uh, Missouri State University that would go to the house and have meetings and dinners and things like that. And they told us a story about how they were standing in the stairwell one day and a bunch of coins just started dropping midair, like just out of nowhere. And again, these are very credible people. Uh, they don't believe in the ghost stories. They're you know, professors and uh, people involved in the academic side of the, the university. And you know, I kind of took that with a grain of salt hearing that story. It sounds like something out of Poltergeist, you know, sure. uh, but it wasn't until I walked at the house after the, the walkthrough that I started to walk out the main door and, th and at the actual threshold of the doorway was a coin from 1892 just sitting there on the ground. Perfect, pristine, like it was never in circulation. So in, in my mind, I thought, you know, maybe this is a museum piece. Maybe somehow someone was moving something and rearranging the museum and it fell. And I went to Christy, who was the head of the museum, and she, they don't have coins in the collection. They, they've never seen anything like that in the house. Um, showed up out of nowhere. Uh, about 10 minutes later, I walk into the main living room area. There's another coin, 1898, different coin. Again, pristine, uh, never was in circulation, at least it looks that way. Uh, but what's really interesting about those things is the fact that the Glenn family, they became rich because they ran a bank. And uh, the oh, dates wow. of the two coins perfectly correlated with historical fact, with when the bank started and also when the bank uh, closed and really started this curse that they believe for the Glenn family. And that was all on film and didn't make the show because it, it sounds fantastical. You know what I mean? It, right. it sounds really crazy. Uh, but to this day, I have no clue how those coins got there. And I know that the, the museum didn't put it there. I know that for sure. And where is that museum located? Uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. That's interesting. We had somebody talk about a similar story in Indiana. Um, the guest, his wife, I think, either managed the haunted location that is now a tourist attraction type, one of those kind of things. But it was a similar deal. They said coins would literally fall from the ceiling and nobody could explain why. And I was like, that's so such a bizarre way for the supernatural to communicate with us, like to throw money. I wish I'd throw Bitcoins at us. That would make me feel <laughs> right. <laughs> be nice, huh? Physical uh, thing. So it might be easy for the control. Yeah. So just start asking. Yeah. The just, start giving you cryptocurrency. Just throw it right in the Patreon. Ghost, we really appreciate that. Well, Evelyn, Not have you... <laughs> Evelyn, have you ever experience physical manifestations while you um, have been leading people or gotten readings or things like that? So I haven't in my work, I did more so in my childhood, but it was usually like personifications, like really like showing up. Um, they never injured me. Um, my, my theory is that when, when you're a kid, basically like you're a what I would call like spirit guides or allies kind of maintain your um, like your bubble, your energetic safety. Um, but that doesn't mean that if like, if you are clairvoyant, you can still see them, even if they can't like do anything to you. Um, so I think that's really what I had going on, but I haven't had in terms of clients, I haven't had anything manifest 
um, in physicality. Um, not to like totally change the subject, but I have a question <laughs> for Brandon. Um, when we're talking about technology, um, is there any accessible technology in terms of like cost, in terms of like actually like getting these things that are like consumer level or close to it? Or is it like, oh, everything that we use is, you know, some like special one of a kind magical machine that was made by one guy scientist who that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, the thing with, you know, my research and the way I approach it is I want to use devices that were created for other technical industries, right, and adapt that to our field. Um, you know, you see a lot with the paranormal garage tech and devices made specifically for ghost hunting. I hate that term, but <laughs> ghost hunting or paranormal investigation where, you know, it's based off of a theory and uh, they build it to try and specifically test that theory or prove that theory. Um, I feel that that can be very flawed in a lot of ways because you're kind of chasing your own tail. Um, so I, for me, I, it's all about adapting other technology from other technical industries. So, I mean, there's devices out there that you know are easily accessible. For instance, a, a device for EVP, for audio, that we use a lot is an ambisonic microphone. Zoom makes a really great one. You know, it's typically used in VR, 360 degree audio that really helps not only when it comes to a high bitrate recording that can be tested by an audio engineer that you can really break it frequency by frequency and break that down through spectrum analysis to see if it's you know contamination of some sort, right? Uh, cell phone frequencies, radio frequencies, things of that nature. But that device is you know about $120, something along those lines. And not only does it give you all of this data when it comes to the bitrate and the audio, uh, but it gives you a reference as to where the voice may be coming from. Instead of having one microphone, you have this 360 degree audio and you can hear exactly where that voice is coming from in that specific track, which is really cool. But um, yeah, there's quite a few devices out there that you can buy that would really aid in paranormal investigation and finding data and evidence and you know credible evidence. Um, but typically for me, I always stay away from what I call garage tech and devices specifically made for paranormal research. I think that it can be very counterproductive. Yeah. I appreciate that from like an integrity standpoint too. Like mm. I, it's frustrating to me when I see people kind of perpetuate stuff that is like really cliche or harmful or like super non science-based. Like it's one thing to tell a story and it's another thing to be like, oh, here's my like magical machine that I made specifically to hear weird audio feedback, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, Evelyn, I hang bags of water in my house and when they sway, I know the ghost is here, but that's not real. <laughs> Keeps the mosquitoes out too. Feel good, you know? <laughs> well, you know, you were talking about accessible stuff and Brandon, something that's really popular now, I, I the name of it, I cannot think of, but people who have seen it will know what I'm talking about. It's essentially the Connect camera from the Xbox where it shows like um, like the little stick man moving right. around. SLS camera. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What are you, What are your thoughts on that? Do you have any faith in it? It's a very flawed device. Um, one, the device is made to, you know, recognize patterns. Uh, obviously, it's from an Xbox Connect system uh, that is trying to help you and aid you in playing the game. So it's trying to recognize movements to try and make that, easier on you when playing a video game. Yeah, they've updated it and some people have made their own versions of the Kinect uh, with LiDAR and all these kind of crazy things. Um, but for me, again, everyone does it a different way. There's really no right or wrong way to do it, but just from you know being taken seriously and from a credible standpoint, if we're gonna be taken seriously by the scientific community or the public, we have to have devices that can gather data that can be analyzed by a third party by a technical industry. And an SLS does not provide data. Uh, it's just trying to recognize the pattern of a human form and a human movement with that device. And it's gonna find that in all kinds of different types of landscapes. Uh, it could be a, a lamp, it can be a pillar in a room, uh, it could be pure darkness. Uh, so I get the theory behind it. People think that, oh, you know, if an entity is a person or a, a deceased uh, human, uh, maybe it can recognize that, you know, and, and map it out. Uh, but I think it's kind of a flawed device. And I think that it doesn't bring credible data. Uh, and it's something that really can't be tested. This is fun. I feel like we're going through all the, the things I see on TikTok that people use. So what, ab 
That's what I was just going to say that uh, I get a lot uh, on TikTok. I get a lot of people like tagging me in things that are like this TikTok filter shows my dead whoever. And I'm just like, I love you guys. Please stop tagging me in this. Like, it's just there are signs and there are lots of things that aren't signs and like exactly something like that, where it's like, this is a filter. It is an algorithm that's trying to do something and you're not looking at something that gives it the data. So it's, it's struggling. Basically it's like looping. It's trying to find what it normally is looking for, which is normally a face. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense to think that like, that's the, you know, the way that we're going to get like credible information. Um, yet it doesn't stop people from trying. Um, and I do have it come up with my clients. It's come up a lot actually in the last, in my, with my students the last few weeks. Um, so apparently it's on, um, on the collective mind, yeah. uh, that we do not need to be looking for signs everywhere. And it can really cause you to start kind of detaching from reality in an unhealthy way to be looking for signs everywhere. Mm. So, you know, every animal that you see is not an animal spirit guide with a message, you know, but like if things start to get weird, if you see a cardinal somewhere that you don't normally see a cardinal like maybe you've never seen one at your house before because they're not super native and you see one that's weird maybe that raises your eyebrow still not a sign right but then um you know you're go to your best friend's house and your best friend has a little um you know card or a little cardinal like necklace on her mantle and she's like oh that was my grandma's you know then you're like okay Two, two times, two times is not enough. I'm still like three times. You got to have three Power times. Threes. Yeah. You got to have three times before I'm willing to say, okay, now you look into it. Like now you say, okay, this is something trying to come through. Um, so like my, my own example of that is that I had, um, I was getting like ladybug messages. And so I started getting ladybugs like in my bedroom, like inside, like regularly, like over and over again in my bedroom. I was like, well, that's weird. I probably just have like some weird ladybug infestation. Um, it was weird. Uh, and then like, yeah, I, I started to, like they would be landing on me like when I was like at work, just like out in the world, it, it just kind of kept going. And then I was scrolling Instagram and um, this woman that I follow posted this thing that was like ladybug medicine. Like here's what ladybug represents when they come to you, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, I need to book a session with her. So that was like my confirmation of like, that was the, you know, it was more than my third time. It was probably like my 10th time. Um, but at that point I was like, oh, okay. You took me where I needed to go. Like that caught my eye. That was like the, the direction that I was supposed to be going. So I guess that's my overarching advice is like, there are not messages everywhere. There are messages, but there are not messages everywhere. When you said ladybug medicine, I thought you were going to tell me you like grinded them up into like oh, ladybug peyote or something. I didn't know where uh, that was. No, I'm glad that that's not the case. I feel like I've told you enough of uh, my wild hallucinogenic experiences. I will not be snorting any powdered bugs. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Brandon, the, the other thing that I think we see that is kind of trendy along the lines of that same technology is people will show their Tesla screen and they'll like pull up to a graveyard and then they'll get like hits in the field. Is that similar to that, the camera that you were just describing? Yeah, exactly. Very similar. It's trying to detect uh, human beings or vehicles to stop you from hitting them. So it's uh, trying to do its job. And sometimes it's, you know, the technology is not perfect. So it's going to glitch out at times. And I can see why that would be kind of a spooky experience being in a graveyard and seeing that there's a person three feet away from your vehicle. That's going to be kind of crazy, but uh, the technology is not perfect. So, Well, um, before we get you out of here, Brandon, we are getting close to our hour. I would love to talk more about your book. So or I know, obviously, we don't want you to share the stories in your book because people need to go read them to get them. But are there some highlights or things you can share with our audience to let them know what they would be getting um, if they do purchase your book in January? Absolutely. Actually, uh, the Glenn House case we just talked about uh, with the coins showing up out of nowhere, that's that's in the book. Uh, but it highlights uh, different cases that we worked on with ghost hunters, Mustafa and I. And it again, it goes back to case logs that go you know back to 2006, I believe, where we had 
all of this data and these different techniques that worked for us where we captured empirical evidence and data that was tested by third parties that couldn't be explained. And that was implemented into those cases on ghost hunters. And it kind of gives that behind the scenes look of how we did it, what our methodology, our, our protocol was uh, to achieve those results. And uh, it really breaks down those cases and gives a classification to it as well, where it's not just, is it intelligent? Is it residual? We go further with it and we connect history with science to tell the greatest ghost stories ever told. And that's uh, the book. And I can't wait for everyone to see it. And, and one thing I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this, since I have both you and Evelyn on, in your research as you've been out um, studying the paranormal, have you been on, I, I don't, sorry, I don't want to mess up these the phrasing, uh, but like on hunts or paranormal investigations where you've had mediums with you and that they have found things that you have also then found in your devices you're using to try to study the paranormal? Absolutely. Um, you know, I was very lucky to live in one of the most haunted places in Southern California for three years, the Glen Tavern Inn. I actually lived there, moved there, and immersed myself into a haunted place that I investigated prior <laughs> to moving in there. And one of my neighbors who lived at the Glen Tavern as well, he was a psychic from Ireland, a man that was very gifted, uh, had an ability that I really hadn't seen before. And uh, there were many times I would conduct experiments within the hotel in investigations with him where he would be using these gifts and going through and uh, we would back that up with, you know, documentation and back that up with technology, which was really cool. So that was a really great experience. And do you find that like, for me, that's just like the coolest thing. I mean, I love hearing ghost stories. I love seeing receiving sound files that guests may send us where they heard something or pictures or video. I love all that stuff, but having another human look me in the eyes and, and relay information to me that I cannot, one that I know is true and there's no way they could know what they're telling me. Um, and two, it, a lot of times it'll just hit me in a way that is like, I just feel like I'm talking to an X-Men. Like, dude, is that just so much fun for you when you spend so much time in the scientific to also get to play in that world as well? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm very open-minded when it comes to different, you know, views and different abilities that people have. And if I went into an investigation or into this research biased and saying, oh, that's not real, I wouldn't be conducting a proper investigation or conducting real research. You have to be open-minded. You have to be open to different scenarios and possibilities. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun when that happens. Uh, it's been you know very rare for me to have those experiences like that. But when it does happen, it's, uh, it's very eye-opening and uh, very exciting. Awesome. Well, Evelyn, do you have any more questions for Brandon? I just want to say thank you so much for the work that you are doing in this field. Like being someone who is practicing on sort of the other end of it, where like we don't necessarily have access to a lot of these scientific measurements and confirmations. And so knowing that people are like still pursuing that and trying to like give us that, you know, like credibility is really awesome because there's you know, it's like there's people who who believe and, and who who get it, but the people who don't like it's hard when you're faced with those people and you're like, you know what, like, I know what I know and I can do my best to like, you know, prove it to you if I feel like it. But um, having that tangible, like measurable um, thing is just like, I absolutely look forward to it. And I just really appreciate what you're doing. And I cannot wait to read your book. Um, on that note, do you have like a preferred way that we access your book? I know that like I wrote a kid's book and I'm like, oh my God, buy it from my website. So uh, what's our best way that we can get your book? Uh, you can go to my website, brandonjalvis.com. Uh, it's there, but I mean, again, it's at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, uh, different parts of, uh, I guess, depending on if you're in the UK, Australia, Canada, there's different outlets as well. But you just go to my website and the information is there at brandonjalvis.com. And Brandon, what is the name of the book one more time? Elements of a Haunting. And it'll actually be out on January 8th, 2022. Awesome. I can't wait for it to come out. And we'll probably, we need to do a giveaway with Evelyn's book as well. So maybe we'll do a, a dual giveaway um, when when your book drops to, to kick off the new year. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on, Brandon. This has been a blast. It's always interesting to hear another perspective of the paranormal, where it's not just straightforward ghost stories. And we don't often get 
somebody who has such a vast experience as you do. Um, and of course it's cool to get somebody who's been on TV as well. So we appreciate you spending some time with us and hopefully we can get you back on, promote other stuff and, and check in with you and see how your investigations are going. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks again. It was a pleasure. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Have a good night. Thank you. I'm curious. One thing I didn't bring up in that interview, I wanted to ask you if you've seen this. So there's a show on Hulu called Psychic Kids. Have you seen that? Yes. Um, so I I actually, I started watching that and I forgot that I was watching it. So I've only watched maybe half of the first season. I love that show. Like part of my like passion, like where my heart is at is psychic kids. I'm like, I was a psychic kid. My daughter's definitely a psychic kid. Um, she was kind of like ignores it a little bit right now. She's sort of like too cool for me to do anything about that. But, um, I mean, I just, I love it. And I, and part of why I love it is because, well, I guess it's, it's sort of a double-edged sword. People are simultaneously more likely and less likely to believe children. Right. Mm. Um, but sometimes when kids can know things that are like, so obviously beyond what they should be able to know, that's where people start believing. And that's where people are willing to engage with that curiosity. So, um, one thing that comes up on that show a lot is that, uh, like past life remembrances where kids are like, oh yeah, like I, I, I built that plane and like their parents are like, well, okay, whatever kid. And they're like, no, like, you know, my name was John and um, and, and I fought in this war and that was my plane and, you know, like things like that, like where they just start getting more and more detailed and it becomes something where they have so much information that you can go back verify and like verify it. Yeah. And wow. that's, I'm like, Oh, I love it. I love when that happens. Yeah. That's right I, up your I alley that forever. <laughs> so the one I watched is, I think it maybe came out this year or last year. And it's, I guess there's, there was a series like 10 years ago. So they took the kids or some of the kids from the series 10 years ago who are now like young adults and they're having them come in and mentor a new uh, crop of psychic kids. And I only watched, I can't remember if my wife and I watched one or two episodes, but I'm such an empath that like, it was almost too much for me to watch. Like it, um, I loved it. And I mean, that is right up my alley as well and seeing the people come, but I think it was seeing these kids, the kids that they're dealing with are struggling with the spirits they're seeing. And, and, it's, and it's a very negative experience for them. Now with the mentors come in, they help teach them how to put that bubble around them. And not only do you get to see them learn how to cope with what they're going through, just from a show perspective, you get to see them go out in the field and tell people things that are undeniable and that the show does research and proves like, okay, yes, this, somebody did pass away of a heart attack here and, and, you know, just various things. And yeah, I would definitely recommend the audience to go on Hulu and check that out. I mean, it super really cool show. Yeah. Well, I mean like that, that whole thing, like, yeah, I get what you mean. Like it, it, it is, it touches my heart because like having been that kid, and like, literally like, this is why, this is why I wrote like my kid's book for this was because people will brush it off. Like you have a really active imagination. Um, you just had a bad dream. Like it, that's usually what you get. So you stop telling people, like you stop telling people these things because they're going to tell you that you made it up or it's your imaginary friend or whatever. Um, and it feels bad. Like it feels bad when you're like, I am not stupid. Like I know what I'm, what's happening. Right. Like I know when I'm playing, I know when I'm imagining and I know that that's not what this is. So you get shut down by adults really fast. So that's what really touches me about that show is that you see these older kids coming in, um, or young adults at this point and, um, stepping into this mentorship role and seeing that moment of validation of those kids getting to hear, like, I believe you and I know, and I see the same things. And this is what I do is so powerful. And it's like, I, um, I offer both parent child sessions and then just like one-on-one -on -one hmm. mentoring sessions for that same reason. Um, and it, every time it feels so good to know that like, 
okay, you didn't know what to do with this. And now you're like slightly better protected. Right. You um, can trust yourself again, because that's the other part of it is that like, sometimes you can start to believe like, well, maybe I'm just crazy. Like maybe right. I'm nuts. And that's why like, am I really seeing these things? Maybe I'm not. Um, and it's just hard because you're like, well, I am. So like, is it just my brain tricking me? You can just start really like punishing yourself in a lot of ways. Um, and it took a lot of work for me to get to the the place that I'm at now of being like, no, I, I know, I know what I'm interacting with. And so I love getting to see kids um, be supported in that. Yeah. And one cool thing, one of the mentors they brought back since her time on the show, she had gone on to Columbia and gotten a master's in psychology. So it's kind of neat to see somebody who I think if there were mental things going on, she would be able to identify those um, and be able to tell the difference between that and somebody who is connecting to the spirit world, you know, so it was pretty cool to see her interact with the kid that she interacted with. Okay, enough plugging other people's stuff. Just kidding, Brandon, we're going to talk about your book now. Um, so that was pretty neat. I was pretty surprised how fast we were able to book him. But I know that when people do have things like books coming out, they want to get on as much stuff as possible. So I was excited to get him on. What do you think about those type of TV shows? I mean, he, it seems like he's been on every single one of them, which is kind of yeah. crazy. Um, but I haven't watched a ton of those. I'm obviously aware of them and I've seen them like when I'm staying in a hotel, sometimes I'll watch stuff like that. You know what I mean? But yeah. is that something that makes its way into your world or do you kind of, do you not watch as much as like the ghost hunting stuff? So that kind of stuff, I had more exposure to it before I understood like my current abilities and like had the training that I have now. So it used to just freak me out. Yeah. Like it used to just make me so scared and so uncomfortable because I didn't want any of that to be proved true. I would have rather been crazy, oh, like because of some of the things that I had seen and that scared me so much. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, don't prove this. Like, don't. It's better if you don't. Um, now I'm in a lot of a, a much different place. Uh, and so now, and I've only maybe seen a couple episodes of those types of shows since then maybe I should go start watching them again um now I just find them so fascinating and like even listening to Brandon talk I was like oh my god like I want to go can I go with you like I was like I want to go like I want to go to all well, these that's why I asked I was like do you use mediums and you know because yeah. I was curious because he's so I mean you can even tell it felt like I was doing an episode with JJ I mean like people that are so science-minded their brains in my opinion just work a little different and you could tell just the way he was processing information. It's like, oh yeah, he's clearly somebody who is invested in that train of thought, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I love like, that's what I'm so excited about his book is that side of it is that's like, I just don't, in my field, I don't have a lot of access to that approach. And I want to know more about it. And that's even like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, are there things that I could get that could like assist me in sure. my work? Like, I mean, I would love that. I think that that would be so great to have sort of that ability to, to overlap those fields, those industries. Um, cause I just, it's, there's not, there's not a lot of, um, you know, credible science happening out yeah. there on that. So I think it's thrilling. Yeah. I mean, it's the paranormal is such a strange part of our life. I mean, there's so many religions that all essentially believe in the paranormal. They have their own versions of the paranormal, right? So a lot of us grow up from an early age being taught that there is an afterlife, there are demons, you know, whatever. I mean, in different religions explain it differently. And then you take a step back and it's permeated through pop culture. I mean, there are movies, TV shows, and it's more popular now than it's ever been, you know? And then you take another step back and there's people who say they can communicate with the spirit world like you and, and many others um, who have gifts and, and share those with people. But yet you've got all of that going on, which seems like it has infiltrated more pop culture and stuff, but there's still a huge sect of society that won't even talk about it. I mean, it's not even talking, not even having a discussion of, do you believe it? They won't even have, they're not going to even acknowledge that there's a possibility that it exists. And some of that is fear, you know, and some of it is kind of shaking the foundation of what people believe in. But hopefully through this podcast, people like that, Brandon, you that are reaching people, to me, it's not important if 
John Doe, who's listening to this right now, believes or doesn't believe. To me, it's more that people are willing to have the conversation because I think that speaks more to life in general, that we shouldn't just be shutting things out because we don't know it or understand it, you know? And that's what I find so interesting about all of this is there's, there's, it, there's infinitely things to talk about and hear in this field. And it never gets boring. It never gets dry for me to see somebody in a Zoom box and talk about the shadow man chasing them down their hallway. I mean, I'm just always going to listen to that story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's something like, you know, you're talking about like the fear that people have um, that might be part of it. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it, I guess I'm like, is fear the right word? It's more like, like shaking the foundation of reality. Like if you've built your reality such that like, there's no space for aliens, there's no space for ghosts, there's right. no space for anything that I haven't seen basically, which is inherently like a little bit of a problematic approach. Um, but uh, when we look at those things and you think about what it actually is like to integrate that. And like, I'm someone who like, okay, I, I have seen it. And it still is so hard to integrate um, like the reality of that. Sure. It, it does feel like it's like blowing your brain open basically. Um, I watched a TikTok that was, it was very sweet, but it was this um, little girl who was getting a cochlear implant for the first time. And so mm. she, couldn't hear. And then all of a sudden she could. And like her mom said hi to her. And she, this sweet girl just screamed, absolutely just lost it. And I could just see like, oh my God, what, what her brain would be trying to process all at once, like an entirely new sense. Yeah. And that's kind of what these things are like, is like, these are extra senses. And if you start engaging with them with like a reality beyond 3D reality, that can feel like too much. That can feel like it's normal to have resistance to that. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, sure. I, I get it, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, we'll keep pushing through and hopefully keep bringing our audience interesting stories and people that they wouldn't necessarily be exposed to in this medium. So it's, I don't know. I just, I, I wish I could jump in a time machine and see where this podcast is going to be in like a year from now, two years from now, because we just keep collecting so many of these stories. And I'm like, at some point, are we going to have the biggest collection of firsthand account of paranormal stories? Because there's no shortage of them. Like I barely have to look now, either people email me or I just glance at TikTok or Instagram. I'm like, Oh, that looks fun. And the people are just like, yep, sure. I'll come do it. I'm like, great. Hopefully Evelyn's available to talk to this person. My neighbor, we were at dinner the other night and me and Jess were like trying to explain to someone else, like what we do, basically someone who didn't know. You're like, well, like, what do you guys do? We we're like, oh boy. Okay. Like, you know, like you watch as know. I float around the room. Yeah. You're like, you never know, like how people are going to receive, like, uh, we're psychics, <laughs> you know, like it, it, you just, you know, we live in the real world. We know that that's not a super normal thing to tell people. Right. Um, so our neighbor who we've been friends with, you know, for over a year at this point, and she's like, oh, I've, I've got lots of ghost stories, but she's like, I just, I never tell people because like no one, no one believes me. And like me and Jess were just both like, go on. Like, we have a platform for you. Yeah, I was like, we believe you. Like, let's yeah. start there. But anyways, I'm like, you have to come on the podcast because she, her story spans generations. Like she has um, some sort of, oh, I mean, I would call this seems like straight up like demon that like basically gets like transferred down through her family. This is my assessment of it based off her story gets transferred, um, like through their, like through their genetics or like through the childbirth process, whatever this thing follows down their line. Oh. Um, and she's like, oh yeah, I saw shadow people all the time. Um, basically from the sounds of it, she did actually have like an extremely malicious, mm. um, a demon of some kind. Um, but her story, I mean, me and Jess were just both like, oh, oh wow. no, like it was, it was a scary one. Yeah. Um, so I was yeah, like, I gotta bring her on. Oh, sure. dude, I'm like, I'm already like, I'm like, you can use a fake name. It's fine. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. That'll be awesome. We got to get her on. Well, Evelyn, thank you so much for coming on for another episode. I enjoy just getting to hang out with you as much as I do interviewing people. I feel like your name keeps coming up on other episodes that you're not even on. So um, I feel like that's the ultimate compliment we can give. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to do another episode with you. Maybe it'll be with your neighbor and we can hear about 
this demon that passes through their genetics. It's so scary, dude. <laughs> With that, I'm Noah Daniels. And I'm Evelyn Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, we interviewed... Uh... Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.